You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hello and welcome back to Country Roads Confidential here at Earsports.com. Do not adjust your cell phone or your browser. This actually is a second episode today, and what a great time to have breaking news about how to be first on stories and be right about stories and scoop and report with urgency and accuracy than to get beat on a somewhat significant story here. I'll, I'll get to that in a minute, but uh, I'll welcome in Chris Anderson and see if he's kicking himself like I am kicking myself right now. Sore? Upset? Surprised? Uh, just just great timing on our part. It was pretty awesome. Um I, you know, I wasn't expecting this. I didn't know how this waiver was going to go. We'll get into that in a minute. But um, our first emergency pod, and I think it's it's certainly worthy of that with this news. I think it's big news, um, at least for the future, potentially this year. And, again, we'll go into that in a minute. But <clears throat> big news on Jared Dagey being cleared by the NCAA. Yeah, let's hit the fundamentals here first. Um, Jared Dagey quarterback from Bowling Green, uh, transfers in and is immediately eligible to play in 2019. Credit where it's due, Alan Taylor from The Athletic has it first, and this is why I'm mad and why I frankly don't like Alan right now. I asked about this yesterday. I was on campus. I was talking to some people, and I was told, nope, nothing new. And I don't know why that I didn't ask again today, because I've been in the habit of asking, if not regularly, then I mean semi-regularly, but... I think maybe I was too early on it or maybe it just happened this morning or whatever. Maybe my people didn't know when I asked, but like, man, we were talking about this on the podcast about just being on top of things and calling people and talking to people. And this is what happens. Sometimes you throw the net out and the fish swims by like 30 seconds later. And I'm going to try my hardest not to be furious in this entire podcast because I don't want to rain on the parade. This, um, this makes things very interesting at a interesting part of the year this is how it worked up my my thesaurus in my brain is not working i'm using the same (laughs) words over and over but anyways interesting development interesting time of the year and i think we're going to come at this from similar but maybe also um divergent directions here chris but big deal little deal no deal what do you think Uh, i think it's a huge deal i think we got some some variants maybe on the impact for this season um i think it opens up more doors not only I, I for me, you know, everything I've been hearing now, you've been seeing more practices than I have. But everything I've been hearing is that quarterback play has just not been great. And, and Neil Brown has gone on record as saying that um, over the from the spring and into fall camp through the start of preseason practice. We've seen them kind of experiment with different things. We've seen Austin Kendall, for the most part, be the quote unquote first team guy, the first guy out for the spring game. Um, the guy working mostly with the first unit uh, during practices, the parts that you could see other times, it's been Jack Allison. Um, Maybe even Jack Allison in some of those secret scrimmages that no one's allowed to know anything about that then have full pictures of the entire starting unit posted on the website. Uh, Don't bring Uh, that up again. I'm going to get in trouble again. (laughs) Um, But, you know, so I I think there's certainly some uncertainty there between those two battles. That, That was, you know, uh, there's some talk from some non 
verified sources about Trey Lowe, and he's had a couple good practices, but there's been no clear-cut winner, I don't think, at the quarterback position. And then you get Daggy, who's been a starter, who I think had he been eligible all along, and they knew he was going to be eligible all along, kind of like with Will Greer, when he hadn't been cleared, but they basically knew he was going to be cleared, and they just practiced as if he were the number one. I think if they had taken the same approach with Daggy, he might have been the number one by this point already. And so I think it's it's going to make – I don't know if it's going to muddy up the waters this week or not. I mean, we're going to have Neil Brown here in a few hours. I'm very curious to see, hear what he has to say about what that spot's going to be. So we did have some eyeballs in the scrimmage on Saturday. And what I had heard from people was that it was increasingly clear that Kendall was the guy. He was, again, positioned at number one. And as you and I know, and as the staff photographer showed us, uh, Allison had been the number one. Um, So Kendall, excuse me, Allison had been the number one at the previous scrimmage. Following scrimmage, it was um, Kendall, and apparently this was his his job. Um, I think we talked about this and written about this before. He was going to have to lose it, and then even on top of that, Allison was going to have to come and take it from him too. So it's one thing to fumble the job, but if you fumble it, someone's got to recover it. Doesn't sound like that was happening. I do think that they're pretty happy with the way Kendall had been playing and, and progressing. And remember, like a really kind of scattershot spring. The summer's better. He does a lot of stuff with his teammates, and he goes. So it's it's kind of good news, bad news. Good news being, hey, another guy is eligible. It doesn't hurt. Bad news is, you know, maybe they finally had some clarity. And for all we know, Brown is going to announce Kendall as a starter at his news conference. Like, we don't know that, but if you're looking around the country. So teams are doing right now um, because it just makes sense to do it and give your guy, you know, the the recognition so he can go into the meeting rooms and the huddles and he can be the definitive QB one. Did that have to tell the media that? I don't know. But now you have an exclamation point. If that is, in fact, true, they're going to name Kendall or if he is the starter or whatever. That's an exclamation point. But now you got to make room for a question mark. And not that Daigie can't play, but the question mark is, will he play? How well will he play? And then there are so many branches to this, too. Um, let's get into this, too. How do you think this affects the numbers now? Because it could be a thing where they have four quarterbacks or they have four quarterbacks not for long. And there's just naturally high turnover at this position. But um, there's going to be some some movement, possibly, right? Yeah, I would have to think so. And, you know, Sean Reagan told me back, quarterbacks coach Sean Reagan told me back in February that he would like to have five quarterbacks in the room at all times scholarship quarterbacks but i think during our conversation he seemed resigned to the fact that that's almost impossible at this level nowadays with all the transfers so i think four is a more realistic number and so you got the four that now are on campus and now eligible you'd have to think one of them whoever is say third or fourth at least one of them is going to leave at some point like later probably after the season, maybe right before it. I mean, it's still still uh, kind of prime transfer time right now, even with guys announcing they're leaving. And then Garrett Green comes in in the next class, and you're back to four. So I think that's to be expected it, it, to lose at least one over the course of the next, say, six months. Um, the semester starts here tomorrow. That's going to be really interesting timing right now, too. Uh, this happens today. Maybe Brown give some sort of clarity as to who starts and who is number two and so on and so forth this afternoon. But um, if someone's on the outside, 
do they want to start going to class here? Probably not if they're thinking they're gone. Um, so I don't know. Maybe I'll be calling people every day now, <laughs> early in the morning and then the afternoon and the evening, trying to get these things right. Because I think you're right. It doesn't make sense. I went back, and I remember that Reagan story. I went back. I can't find an instance where they had five scholarship quarterbacks. It's crazy. But what yeah. they do have a chance to have now is like a really uh, convenient setup where in 2020, you would have Green as a freshman, Lowe as a sophomore, Daigie as could be junior, could be senior, and then Kendall and Allison, both the seniors. I think they want to keep that type of split where it's one in every class. So that's ideally what they have happen. Now, if you lose one of your redshirt seniors this year, let's say, let's just say hypothetically Kendall is the starter and Allison says, this is not what I want to do for my final two years because let's face it, if you didn't get it this year and Daigie is in the room now, it's harder for him to have that job. Um, then Allison may want to move on sooner rather than later, but you still have two quarterbacks in that senior class. Um, I want to give you my take on this and let me know what you think here. Cause you're probably going to disagree um, naturally. Yeah. I think, I think what this does, I don't know if he'll play or not Daigie. I think that there's obstacles in front of him right now because I have not heard that he'd ever been getting the wealth of reps. Um, and it sounds like it was mostly the three guys getting a lot of them and Daigie would mix in and do some stuff. He did get some one action, but not nearly as much as certainly the top two and maybe the top three. But I think what this does is this becomes a 12 game season now. And what I mean by that is um, this, he's playing 2019 for 2019, of course, but who knows if or when you see Daigie, he's eligible to play game one. Um, he can play four games and still redshirt. And I think this becomes really interesting too, where the future is the future, obviously, but the future is now. And he's got a guy he's going to have for two and maybe three years in Daigie. Um, he's a true junior. So if they are, let's say, let's say they're four and four, you know, or worse, right? Um, and you haven't played Daigie yet. I think you might have to have a four-game preview of him because at that point you've probably seen the other two, maybe three quarterbacks. Um, that makes that interesting. Um, I mean, I think at the very minimum he's going to play four games this year and be a redshirt junior next year. But I also think there's a situation where he is – the there's there's a possibility now that didn't exist before that he gets a runway and you know he preps for three games in a bowl or he preps for the final four regular season games and then he goes to the spring as maybe not one but a lot closer to one than before. Does that make sense? It seems like that this this just got very interesting as to what happens in 2020 as well as 2019. It, it does make sense, and I think part of the reason it makes sense is because of how long it took the NCAA to make a decision on this. I think realistically with only what, 11 days until the season opener, I, you know, it's, it's hard to imagine I'm in a second, I'm going to argue it anyway, but it's hard to imagine that Davey's just going to be the starter just like that. I don't think in, in 11 days you can flip it like that unless they've been, uh, you know, behind closed doors, giving him a lot more reps than we've been hearing he's been getting. And it, you know, Kendall's kind of built up that rapport with the receivers. He's Allison's got some work there. I, I, I think the most realistic scenario is kind of what you're describing there is that they're going to start the year with Kendall as the man, go to Allison if they need to, and then try to save that season for Daigie, unless it's just blatantly obvious that Daigie's better. I did get to see him, and I've watched, I mean, I've looked at the tape. Chris, <laughs> uh, I've watched some Bowling Green highlights just because uh, one, 
we had a quarterback who was a coach's son who was going to be playing at Bowling Green for a time last year. And I was just curious, what would Logan Holgerson look like in that offense? So, eh, whatever. I'm from Ohio. Uh, I remember the Urban Meyer days of Bowling Green. And and then Daigie comes along, and so I knew a little bit, and then I found out a little bit more. And the offenses are similar. If, by the way, if you're not familiar, the Bowling Green AD um, was like, I want to get a good offense, and like Googled air raid assistant coaches and kind of came <laughs> – this is the truth. And he kind of like came to this revelation that the receivers coach at Texas tech, you know, would be a good guy to be a head coach. Um, it did not work out well, but uh-huh. he did bring that offense to town and Daigie did play in it. And his brother was the receivers coach. His brother did play the offense for Neil Brown at Texas tech. So we all got, kind of understand that there's a lot of familiarity here, similar to the Austin Kendall situation too, which is what pulled him here. But the offenses do, I think, they do mesh like he's not going to be completely um, far into the concept. So he could probably accelerate pretty quickly and maybe catch up or make up some of the ground. I'm not going to say he's going to catch up or pass anybody because I don't know yet, but watching him play, he was fun. Um, I'm not going to make, I'm not going to compare him to Greer, but you know how Greer would sometimes get a little bit loose and he would, you know, his mechanics would not be attached to him in certain situations, but he made a play. He got the ball out when he had to. He saw something and made it happen. Again, you wouldn't necessarily show Jared Daigie tape to a kid and say, hey, you should do this. But you would show him the stats and say, pretty good, right? You know, accurate, touchdown to interception ratio, yards per attempt, pretty good. That is a guy that you want to play like but maybe you don't want to actually look like the way he plays so i think he's going to be kind of fun to watch develop because he's going to get um it, it seems like they're pretty good quarterback coaching here um with reagan and brown's outlook on it too um they really like their ga too uh tyler allen who was like a, a prolific junior college quarterback by the way but uh i think it fits in a lot of ways and that's what's going to be interesting too these guys aren't catching on to the offense still after a spring in the summer and this newcomer gets it you know, how quickly can he make up ground? And does that four-game thing go by the wayside? Because maybe he's just better, and you, you don't want to lose your locker room early in the season. Are you, ready, are you ready for my argument for why he should be the starter or why I think the coaching staff might have made him the starter had he been clear just a few weeks earlier? I've been waiting for you to argue. <laughs> okay. So we've, we've already gone over the fact that he, he has the most experience of anybody on this team. He's played a year and a half, a little over a year and a half as a starter for Bowling Green. He's got 4,000 yards passing, 39 touchdowns. Stats are all great. And you have to also take into the fact that he was on a horrible team. That team at Bowling Green last year was horrendous. They were 3-9, and nine, got their coach fired. Defense was, what, 125th out of 130 teams in scoring defense. Um, he had no help and still put up some decent stats, still looked good. And, and Neil Brown brought that up during a press conference earlier this month, talking about how he has this experience, how he has overcome adversity, um, shaking off shaking off uh, bad play and losses and, and overcoming that, which, which he looks up to. But the reason I, I'm kind of putting some puzzle pieces together here, why I think they needed him, why they won him, why they felt like they needed him. Because they went through the entire spring with Kendall, with Allison, with Lowe. And after seeing them for that entire spring, the coaching staff actively decided we need another quarterback and potentially one that could be eligible this year. 
I don't think you make that decision if you are comfortable. Now, Brown has gone on record, I, I think, since then, saying that you know Kendall is is the is a good quarterback. Allison's a good quarterback. He'd feel comfortable with both of them, et cetera, et cetera. But privately, I, I don't think you go out and grab another quarterback that could be eligible, a starter that could be eligible this fall if you feel comfortable with Kendall or Allison or Lowe this year. And for that reason, I think if it if the NCAA had not waited till 11 days before the season to make a decision, I think Daggy's cakewalking into the starting job if he, he had been cleared back in May. Yeah, and that's what we don't know, how, how much and how well and how uh, aggressively have they prepared him. I just don't know that. We've seen very little of him live and maybe that was on purpose but again we haven't seen them since uh, we saw him saturday and then uh, the first saturday camp and then four days later um and then he did nothing really in the eight minutes we saw four days later and he did a lot the first the saturday we saw but that's two practices out of like 25 that they get 25 is a big number they can do something with them too so again i think that's right too and again the point that he made and you brought it up too that the guys he's lost a lot and he's going to be able to handle coaching and getting yelled out a little bit better that was interesting to me. That made me think that they're thinking about, you know, hey, maybe they take their bumps this year. Um, three games last year against Power 5 opponents, they got whacked by um, Oregon, freaking Maryland, and Georgia Tech. But he's at, you know, 60% for those three games. Um, yards per attempt were 6.7, 5.3, 6.9. Not great, but again, didn't have a lot. And then touchdown inter- inter- touchdown to interception was actually negative, so that's not great. But uh, it won't be his first time out there against some of these opponents that he's going to see. And if he can get healthy and well, I say healthy, if he can get uh, confident, um, if he can get rolling in those non-conference games, and I'm not saying they go three and zero, but like even if he does stumble a little bit, he's far more polished when he comes out of the non-conference schedule and he goes along. So there's a chance. I mean, it makes some sense. I understand people are going to want to see this happen because they didn't like the look of Allison in the bowl game which I have a hard time holding that against him, knowing now what we didn't know then. And they saw Kendall in the spring game, which I have a hard time holding against him because it was still really new to him. Um, again, you're right, muddies the water. It's going to make this interesting and compelling and, and kind of unexpected at a pretty fun time. Um, final one, and we'll go here. I'm surprised by this. Um, and Again, you may agree or disagree here, but we we kind of wrote and talked about the transfer process before, and what West Virginia had said was that they had submitted two waivers, and they felt slam dunk on one and pretty good about another. Otherwise, they wouldn't have um, applied for them. We reasoned that the one they felt pretty good about would have been Alonzo Adai, and the one they felt was a slam dunk was Sean Ryan, and we just didn't think that Daigie had the, uh, the case to make. Now, we hedged hard, and I said that, like, we don't know what his case is. So if you just say he's a group of five to power of five transfer, and he's upset because his brother is no longer on the staff, that doesn't sound like a very compelling case. That would not be a very compelling case. It wouldn't win. So something else existed, and I'd love to know what that is. I'm going to try to find out. Uh, I just got a text. Um, Sorry, Kaz. Just found out. In fact, I read it on your site. (laughs) Ah, so mad. Um, Put that guy on the bench. Live podcasting. Yeah. Put him on so, the bench. Yeah. So so um. What? So then, what we later find out is they didn't even go for one for a die. He's a regular old transfer now, sitting out, and they went for one for Ryan and Daigie. I thought for sure that 
Ryan would get one. We don't know now. His is definitely up in the air. And I can tell you that because I just asked somebody and <laughs> they told me <laughs> it's up in the air. So be around your podcast station at four o'clock because we'll probably have the Sean Ryan news conference. Uh, but I'm just surprised. I didn't think I think of the three guys. This is the one I expected least. And again, not knowing what Casey had. I just knew the facts that anybody else knew. So something obviously was a foot that made West Virginia feel really good about it, too. But I just didn't see this one coming. It was not my top pick or even my second pick. Before we go, I want to circle back on something you said a minute ago. And I want to ask you ask you this question. If you're looking at this season, if you were, let's say, Neil Brown, are you taking your lumps with Daggy this year? You, you mentioned how you know his comments earlier this month kind of reminded you of made you think of, hey, maybe take the lumps and see what Daggy can do. Is that what is that the approach you take? Yeah, I, I think I'm the contrarian here too, but I don't find this to be year zero at all. Like, I just don't see it. I think that I have potential, which is dangerous, I know that, but potential on offense. I think everybody kind of agrees that their defense is in a better situation than what you'd expect when you shift, you know, pretty dramatically from a three-three-five to a four-two-five, and – I don't know why this would be a program that goes two and 10. I don't see that anywhere. So like, yeah, I'm trying to get to a bowl game. Um, now future and the present, they don't weigh the same. So you're going to have to figure that stuff out. Um, this is what I don't know to answer that question. I don't know how many practice reps he's had. Has he had hundreds? Has he had thousands? You know, and that's probably not a right, <laughs> a right uh, rule right now, but like, let's say he's had a couple dozen versus the other guys have had a couple hundred. That's a huge difference. But if he's had an equal number, and if his tape and practices look good, and if he's done more with the ones than we've heard, and he's ready, why the heck did you get him? Just so you can uh, have you can have an even balance in, in quarterback classes? No, because he can throw touchdown passes and win you games. And like I understand, some people don't have high expectations this year. I'm sorry, it matters. Like if you go four and eight, that matters. That's a smudge. But if you go seven and five, and you got a quarterback who's going to be back next year, like he's still got another year, right? So like. This this could be a situation for now and the future too. It's not one or the other. It can be both. But if so if he's ready and he gets you to win, I I still think that this team is way capable of being above five hundred. I'm not gonna let you hedge on this because I know how much you love making wild prognostications. Um, one word answer. All these this is this is crazy by the way. All these texts are coming back right now to me. <laughs> Like, let's read them. Talk- let's read them live on the air. See what happens. Twenty-four hours ago, guy. Thanks. Um, one one word answer. Which of the quarterbacks gives you the best chance to be bowl eligible this year? I'm not talking potential. I'm talking the greatest chance to just get to six wins. One word answer. Ooh. Oh, I have. I've silenced Mike. Oh, Kendall. This is good. Ken. Okay. All right. I you don't, you don't want the explanation, though, do you? <laughs> nope. I just, one word answer. I, just, I didn't want you to hedge it. I didn't want you to say Kendall, but nope. Just just give me one word. I like it. That, that would have been my pick, too. I think as far as, like, if you're playing it, if you're playing it safe, I, I think Kendall's floors might be a little higher. Um, you know, I think you can get that five to seven. But if you can roll the dice and everything clicks for Daggy, he might be somebody that could take you another level up. But that's just me hedging. I just didn't want you to hedge. I think a great question for Brown today is how much has he gotten accomplished in practice? You know, if he's just been like their scout guy or their number four, um, then this probably isn't a relevant conversation. Um, But if they say, actually, you know, we've been 
we've been preparing just in case and he's gotten you know he's gotten a full quarter of the one snaps or something like that and now you got something you actually have an answer to the question that we really can't provide ourselves right now well i guess we'll find out in a couple hours then i'm so mad all right (laughs) that is all for this time i will see you next time for 24 7 sports i'm mike casazza and i'm chris anderson we'll see you next time a very bright shining light Sarajevo and they needed to kill that light from producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2 U2 they represent a personification of our resistance the Hollywood reporter hails kiss the future moving and inspirational kiss the future viva Sarajevo kiss the future new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus go to Paramount Plus to try it free terms apply